Coming up on Locked On Dodgers, I sit down with Jim Alexander of the Press Enterprise to talk about his upcoming book about Dodgers history that comes out this spring. So let's get Locked On Dodgers. You are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Dodger fans. I am Jeff Snyder, Baseball Essential, and this is Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm flying solo here at the beginning, but as I said, I will be with Jim Alexander from the Press Enterprise in a little bit. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every day. Remember, this show is free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. This is the daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans' perspective. This is the daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. And like I said, I'm going to be talking with Jim Alexander shortly. Uh, Before I do, uh, actually, that's going to be part of today's episode and tomorrow's episode. Jim and I talked for, I think, about 42 minutes, and uh, we don't want to you know, keep you guys too long every day. And we know that part of the, uh, the deal of you guys listen every day is that we don't waste too much of your time. And so, uh, today and tomorrow will be my conversation with Jim Alexander. Before I jump into the first half of that, I want to just, uh, talk about a little question that I got in the DMS on Twitter, uh, from Gus Sanchez at goose 11. Uh, he says, um, talking about Freddie Freeman says he's seen different outlets that the Dodgers are all in on trying to sign Freddie Freeman. How accurate is that in your opinion? And if it's true, what will it take to sign him? Uh, how many years and how much money? And, uh, you know, I I don't have any inside information about whether it's accurate that the Dodgers are after Freddie Freeman. I'd be shocked if they're not. Uh, he definitely makes a ton of sense for them. Um, obviously, maybe their top priority is pitching. But uh, like I've said before, Freddie Freeman is a guy you make room for if you have a chance to get him. And so, yeah, I think the Dodgers are probably interested in Freddie Freeman. It's kind of interesting because uh, it, from what we've heard, what he's asking for from the Braves is six years at $30 million a year. And if that's if he would take that for the Dodgers, like I think the Dodgers ought to jump at that. I, I do wonder, though, if that is some sort of, you know, hometown discount that he's offering the Braves, um, even though, you know, Dodgers are actually closer to his actual hometown, but – He's been with the Braves for 14 years or whatever since they drafted him. And so, uh, you know, obviously he's got some, connect, uh, you know, emotional connections there. And so maybe he would be willing to sign for less to stay in Atlanta. The other thing that the other reason he might be willing to sign for less with the Braves than with the Dodgers, is what we talked about with Corey Seager uh, when he signed with the Rangers, the tax differences between Texas and California are huge. And the tax differences between Georgia and California aren't as huge uh, but still pretty darn huge. And so uh, basically for the Dodgers to, for Freeman to get the same amount of money from the Dodgers after taxes as he would from the Braves, Dodgers would have to offer him more. Uh, but it seems to me like whatever he's looking for, like if it really is six years, that's always my bigger concern is the number of years. And Freeman at six years, that is kind of you know pushing it a little bit. But I think Freddie Freeman is a guy – I think you can expect him to be still be a very good hitter for at least another four years. And, 
you know, two years at the end, maybe not the, the end of the world. Uh, so yeah, I would love to see the Dodgers go after Freddie Freeman and, you know, obviously the, the lockout has to end first. The Dodgers can't do anything with Freddie Freeman until the lockout ends, but the good news is neither can the Braves. And so, you know, hopefully that happens soon and the Dodgers can chase after Freeman, uh, and whatever it takes, go get him. Cause, uh, he would really, really make that lineup even more dangerous than it already is sticking him in the middle of that lineup. So I'd love to see it. And uh, thank you for the question, Gus. Uh, you guys, any, feel free to reach out to us anytime. I'll give you all the contact info at the end of the episode, but you don't have to wait for us to ask for questions. Reach out anytime. And, uh, you know, we, we love getting your question on the show, especially during the lockout when there's not actual Dodgers news to talk about a lot of days. So uh, that's, that's the way to do it. So uh, in a minute, I am going to do the first half of my interview with Jim Alexander. I really enjoyed it. He's a guy I have enjoyed reading since I was a teenager. And so it was, uh, it was really fun for me to get to talk to him. And I'm really looking forward to his book. I think you'll enjoy the conversation that we had about his upcoming book. So thank you for making Lockdown Dodger your first listen every day. And before we get to Jim Alexander, let's talk about Bill Barr. We talk about Bill Bar sometimes. It's the best tasting protein bar in the world. And at this time of year, when you're used to eating delicious things, Built Bar fits right in because it is just as delicious of all that Christmas stuff you're eating. And it's even healthy too. It's all low calorie, low sugar, low carb, low fat, and high in protein. It's the best of both worlds. Delicious and healthy. They have so many flavors, you'll have a hard time choosing. Uh, they have new flavors all the time. Uh, sometimes just special, sometimes you know actual permanent f- new flavors. You should always be checking out Built.com to see what's there. Built Bar gives you that extra fuel that you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. Or if you're standing in endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you that extra something to keep you going. So throw one in your jacket or purse. You never know when you're going to need it. Uh, if you like some of those marshmallowy treats around the holidays, you need to get your hands on Built Bar Puffs. They're light, fluffy, and marshmallowy through and through. Different flavors, all covered in chocolate. They taste so good, you won't believe that they're filled with protein. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, Dodger fans, it's already been an interesting offseason and it won't be long before pitchers and catchers report, we hope. I'm going to give you the inside track on the absolute best fantasy baseball platform in the industry. It's Fantrax. Fantrax is the most customizable MLB fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Create or join a fantasy baseball commissioner league, invite your friends, and dominate your draft this season. It's also the top dynasty fantasy baseball platform in the industry. Go deep with the ultimate keeper in dynasty leagues, create a simple redraft league, or even a customizable best ball league with up to 2,000 teams. Come from another service, Fantrax can import any of your current leagues and customize if needed. Ever have a trade go wrong or make a mistake in dropping a player? Fantrax commissioner tools allow you to undo any move with one simple click. Among the most trusted names in fantasy sports since 2008, Fantrax invites you to sign up today for free. If you do, you'll be entered to win an official MLB signed Fernando Tatis Jr. baseball. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash locked on and use the promo code Tatis when you sign up to be eligible to win. If there's anything lacking in your current fantasy league manager, Fantrax likely has it. Fantasy sports doesn't sleep and neither does Fantrax with seasons running 365 days a year. There's a reason why fantasy players who try Fantrax make it the permanent home for all their fantasy leagues. Don't miss this opportunity. Sign up today to win an official MLB signed Fernando Tatis Jr. Baseball. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash locked on and use the promo code Tatis. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. Play ball. 
All right, now let's jump into my conversation with Jim Alexander about his upcoming book. Hey, Dodger fans, we have a very special guest with us, uh, at least special to me. I grew up in Lake Elsinore, and uh, I joke that instead of friends, I had baseball cards and box scores, and that's why I'm so good at math. And so I spent a lot of time reading the Press Enterprise, and my favorite writer about the Dodgers back then when I was a teenager was Jim Alexander. And now here he is talking to me on my very own Dodgers podcast. Jim, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. I feel a little old after that, but that's all right. <laughs> I am old. <laughs> hey, it happens to the best of us. So, No, no um, kidding. I wanted to have you on. You recently announced that you will have a book coming out uh, in the spring, I believe, uh, called yes. Dodgers, an informal history from Flatbush to Chavez Ravine. And uh, I just want to talk with you about that. You know, obviously, when the time comes, we'll get a little bit closer to actually the actual release of the book. We'll talk more about it, but uh, you know, I want to jump in with you and just talk about what, what's this book about? You know, I guess my first question is uh, what, what is an informal history? Does that just mean it's wearing jeans and a t-shirt? Uh, it, not quite. Although uh, I dress down even more than that. I mean, you know, working at home, I mean, most of the time I'm in sweats. Yeah. <laughs> that would be as informal as it gets, but really, um, it's, I guess I, I use the term informal history because number one, it's not linear. It's not, it, it starts in 1883 when the, when the Brooklyn Atlantics were formed, but it's not one of those that goes from year one, year two, year three. I mean, it kind of jumps back and forth and it's not necessarily box scores and results and what have you, although that's all in there. But I, what I tried to do is make it about people and make it, you know, include the stories of the people who have helped make the Dodgers, the Dodgers all these years. And, you know, some of it is all, yeah, one of the, one of the things that I've found very interesting in, in researching this book is that there are certain common threads that go through Dodgers history, through through the history of the of the franchise when it started in Brooklyn to LA. I mean, for sign sign stealing, for example. I mean, we know what happened in 2017. We know now that in 1951, the Brooklyn Dodgers had this big lead and the Giants caught them and beat them because Leo DeRocher had a nice little sign stealing setup working out of the uh, center field clubhouse in the polo grounds with a, a high-powered telescope. What we probably didn't know is that as far back as 1889, uh, Bill McGonigal, Gunnar McGonigal, who was the, the manager of the Brooklyn bridegrooms at the time, was trying to figure out ways to mechanically steal signs. I mean, he had to the one idea where Edison had just begun wiring the borough of Brooklyn for power, right? And he figures, well, maybe if you put a, a metal plate there below the batter's box, and then when we get the signs, we'll just kind of shoot a current through there. And so the hitter will know if it's a fastball or a breaking ball or what have you. And the players mocked him unmercifully and he had to give up the idea figuring that 
you know, if you do it you're, with your team, the other team will figure it out. So, but what I'm saying is that there's this thread that runs through Dodgers history. And, and there are so many, and just in, in researching this, researching all the stuff that I didn't already know, I mean, it's, it's obvious how important the Dodgers are in baseball history. I mean, between breaking the color line, coming to the West Coast, being pioneers that way, and, and all the different ways that, that they've been important, um, whether it's on the field, off the field, what have you. And in my mind, just researching this book and, and, and going through that history and putting it together it just reinforces that very notion that, that this is a, a significant team, not only in baseball, but in, in all of professional sports. Yeah, for sure. Is there a, what was the, the genesis of this idea for you? Was there a specific uh, tidbit about the Dodgers that you thought maybe could expand into a book and this grew from that? Or uh, how, how did you come up with the idea? Well, originally what I was going to do was I was putting going to put together a, a collection of columns and maybe try and sell that just my my own stuff. And it's interesting because the notion for this percolated while I was in the back seat of a car. We were our family, my my wife and and our daughter were driving up to Oregon to to see one of my other daughters. And I'm sitting in the back and I'm sort of typing away on my my iPad. And it occurred to me, you know, I've got this Lasorda stuff here and that could be a chapter of its own. And I was like, well, wait a minute, there might be something we can do with this even beyond just my original idea. And it was around that time that, that I was reading someone else's history of the Dodgers, uh, history of the Dodgers in LA. And I'm, you know, I'm not going to say whose it was or anything because there 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 have been several and and this one I'm, I'm i'm reading it and basically it's a recitation of box scores and results and this happened and this happened and then this happened and i'm thinking okay well that's fine but there's a way to do this beyond just looking at baseball reference and i started thinking i've got the lasorda stuff here I've got a lot of other stuff from my time covering the team and then my time writing columns about the team. And it just kind of grew from there. The idea that, you know, you could, you could do a history that nobody's ever done because the last, the last history going back to the genesis of the team was in like 1946. I'm, I'm trying to remember who wrote it, but it was, now, it was history of the Brooklyn Dodgers. Okay, you had a history of the Brooklyn Dodgers. You've had histories of the team in L.A. over, you know, since 1958. But there's got to be a way to put that together. And I think the one obstacle I had was, okay, you're going to do that, but it's going to have to be a big book because there's a lot here. And that, and that's Part of what I wanted to do was take that history and humanize it and tell the stories of some of the some of the players and some of the executives and managers and whatnot who have been instrumental in the history of the Dodgers. 
and maybe somebody like Zach Wheat, who nobody out here really knows. I mean, the the policy of the team is to require is to retire the numbers of all of their Hall of Famers. Well, Zach Wheat was the first Hall of Famer. He didn't wear a number, so they have no number to retire. But he's, you know, I mean, you look at the Dodger record book, and he's there in a lot of places, and it's like, well, there's a story to be told here. Zach Weed or Dazzy Vance or Jackie Robinson, Pee Wee Reese, Roy Campanella, as you kind of get through the Brooklyn years, and then and then all, all the, the great players that have played in L.A., you know, Duke Snyder, Koufax, Drysdale, Maury Wills, et cetera. So that was, that was kind of the – the germ of an idea how can we put this all together yeah i've always said that uh dazzy vance and zach wheat if they had just if the dodgers had started wearing uniform numbers you know earlier those guys would be household names for the dodgers uh for dodger fans because their numbers would be hanging on the wall and it's it's really weird that uh the simple fact that they didn't have numbers to retire and for whatever reason, you know, they, they put Vin Scully up there. They retired a microphone for him. So mm-hmm. seems like they could figure out a way to, to get wheat and Vance up there too. Yes, um, exactly. Even if it's just putting the, putting a, a disc up there with the old Brooklyn B just, yeah. just, just to remind current fans that, Hey, this is, this is as far back as this goes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned it being a, it has to be a big book. You're covering, you know, almost 140 years of history. What What's the process like of, you know, and maybe that's part of using the word informal to get the point across, look, this isn't going to be uh, comprehensive. We're not going to have everything in here. But, uh, you know, is it just the stories? Do you let the stories lead into each other to decide what makes the, the final copy and what doesn't? Pretty much. I mean, you you do have to have a sense of the high points of the history. I mean, like 1916 and 1920, when the Brooklyn Robins were in the World Series. And you you, you do have to hit those high points, but you can't, I, I don't know, it's, it's kind of hard to describe. I tried not to, not to let that be not to let that dominate the narrative because yeah, those, those are important, but the interesting stuff is the people who made it happen. And I mean, and going, this is a pet peeve I have because this goes back to, I believe it was 1889 when the Brooklyn team, the Brooklyn bridegrooms played the New York giants in what was then known as the World's Series. It was the, the Brooklyn was in the American Association, which was a major league at that time. And the New York Giants were in the National League. They played each other in the postseason. Okay. So this past October, all of these stories saying, well, this is the first time the Dodgers and the Giants have played in the postseason. And I kept, you know, whether it was on Twitter, whether it was in columns that I wrote for the paper saying, hey, wait a minute. This is not accurate. These teams played back in the 1880s. I mean, that was that was still considered Major League Baseball. It's on baseballreference.com. 
why isn't any why isn't anybody picking up on this so and and hopefully with this god willing people read it and they'll realize hey there's a history here that goes way beyond way earlier than the boys of summer Let's take a quick break to talk about Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues its march to the playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKED ON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. You you mentioned that you know part of the the genesis was just columns you had already written. You know things that you've covered in your time writing about the Dodgers, uh, but then you also talk a lot about the research you did. You know how much of this book ended up being stuff that you didn't know before you started writing the book? Not so much stuff that I didn't know, but stuff that I didn't know in detail. And I already had a pretty good library here at home of of books and articles about the Brooklyn days. And I ordered more. (laughs) So so the, the bibliography when this thing gets published is going to be pretty extensive. I mean, between books, between newspaper articles, thank you, newspapers.com, between the resources of the Society for American Baseball Research. um, I mean, a lot of this I was doing during the pandemic. There is a, there's a wonderful baseball research resource down here at Whittier College, and I was not able to take advantage of that because it was closed. I mean, you know, everything was shut down during the pandemic. So I was kind of doing this on my own with the resources I had and the resources I was able to to find online. So for the early years, it's (laughs) everything's footnoted. Okay, so (laughs) and, and there are a lot of authors who came before me that I tried to get I tried to give credit to because you know they were they were the ones who who originally told these stories and what I'm doing is trying to put them all between one set of covers. So this is you know this is the story and if you want to read further check the big bibliography because there there's some good stuff here. Yeah. Yeah, newspapers.com is pretty awesome. One thing that I discovered one time that I, I was I don't even remember why I was looking at an article from from that time period, but it was shortly after Wilbur Robinson was uh, the became the manager, you know, and eventually they they renamed the team in his honor. But within a year, the first year or so, there was talk about him being fired and replaced. But I'm trying to remember who it was. It was a somebody who was on the team at the time, and and there was articles written about. Uh, it looks like the Dodgers are probably going to fire him and uh, and name this guy player manager. And uh, so it, it was just, and it's something I had never I heard that, about. It, I think that might have been Zach Wheat because there was there was an indication that there was some friction between Wheat and Robinson, and I think some of it was Robinson thought Zach Wheat was after his job. 
And maybe he was. I don't know. Might might have been. Yeah. So it's funny that they ended up naming the team after him, and he almost didn't last, you know, a year. So yeah. Well, um, here's here's a nugget. Here's a nugget for you. Uh, after he left, they settled on Dodgers for the nickname, which has lasted to this day. And they asked the baseball writers in Brooklyn for their input. And it was the writers that chose Dodgers. So my ancestors, (laughs) in a sense, in the Baseball Writers Association. Yeah, it's one of those names that when you, you know, the the genesis of the trolley Dodgers, it's, you know, the L.A. has become the the city of teams that with nicknames that made sense where they used to be, you know, back mm-hmm. Dodgers came from where there were trolleys and the Lakers came from where there was lakes. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, I, I live in Utah and we have the Utah jazz. So, there so you go. Uh, there you go. <laughs> I, I know how that is. Um, I, I want to ask you a little bit about you, you know, you're uh, obviously been writing about the Dodgers for a long time. Did you grow up a Dodger fan? I did. I did. And I kind of and it's it's interesting because in a in a few places, not many, because it's not my story, but it is kind of a memoir because I I talk in the in the preface about how I grew up rooting for the team. And Duke Snyder was my favorite player. And and years after that, I'm still living at home, but I'm covering the team and my mom answers the phone and it's Duke Snyder on the line returning a, fo- a, a call for a story. And it's like stuff, stuff like that kind of comes full circle. And I, in the one section about Dodger Stadium, uh, I described my first visit to the ballpark. And it, it just not only what happened on the field that day, but the sights and the sounds and walking through the concourse and hearing the organ music and you know, the first time anybody sees the ballpark, I'm sure the the green of the grass and, and the the brown or the red in this case of the, the dirt, it it captures you. It 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 has an effect on you that will last the rest of your life, I think. And you know, you, that first visit, that that first game, who knew at the time that I would be spending so much more time in that ballpark over the years? So it's kind of funny the way things work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Duke Snyder, always one of my favorites too, uh, for obvious reasons. He's one of the few people who knows how to spell Snyder correctly. And uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, we, we call him Uncle Duke. Haven't been able to find the connection, but uh, he he does look a lot like my grandpa. So there may be a family connection somewhere. But uh, you know, you people then, you know, Uncle Duke works for me. Um, you know, one of the, <laughs> one of the things that kind of has ran through Dodgers history is pitching, you know, and Mm -hmm. there's been books just written about that. John Wiseman had a really good one. Um, You know, do do you, is that one of the the angles that your book takes kind of the, the history of pitching in in the Dodgers? Uh, Not, not blatantly, but it's kind of the way it works out because the one chapter is Koufax and Drysdale are actually two chapters. And, and then I've got a whole, chapter devoted to Clayton Kershaw because I am sure he is he is going to be the I'm trying to remember I think I said there's three Dodgers who are in the Hall of Fame specifically because of what they did in Los Angeles and that would be Koufax, Drysdale, and Don Sutton 
and Kershaw is going to be the fourth. I mean, I have no doubt. So, yeah, that that pitching thread kind of it's not overtly there, but it kind of runs through the book. And that, given what we saw this past season, and especially toward the end where the pitching staff was kind of running on fumes, and now during a lockout, you don't you don't know how they're going to be able to augment the pitching staff going into spring training. So it, it's kind of ironic that this is this is an organization that's been built on pitching and has developed pitchers, which may be that that may be their ace in the hole. Uh, you know, the, the kids that they've got coming up, they've been able to develop pitchers probably at a more rapid rate than than any organization in baseball. And that may be that may be what what gets them through this. But right now. Not much, not much of a pitching rotation there, depending on what happens after the lockout. So that was kind of ironic. Yeah, there's definitely work to be done there. And hopefully the lockout will end in time to get that work done and, and, and make something happen there. All right, I want to thank Jim Alexander again for taking the time to talk with me. That was the first half of the conversation. You can hear the second half tomorrow. Really enjoyed talking Dodgers history with Jim, and I can't wait to read this book. Thank you for making Locked on Dodgers your first listen every day. And now for your second listen, check out Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. If you're not listening to Locked on Dodgers every day, please add one or two days a month to your rotation. Uh, You can check us out on YouTube. If you haven't watched, it's kind of fun to watch sometimes. Or if you want to listen, you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Locked on Dodgers. Vince is on Twitter at Vince Semperio. I am on Twitter at Snydog, and the DMs are open in all of those places. Our email address is LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com, and our phone number is 323-863-LOCK for voicemails or text messages. We are here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be here with us. When you get in your car or sit on your couch, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree, you just have to listen. We'll talk to you tomorrow.